Bonsoir. <laughs> Hi, everyone. Um, my name is uh, Pascal Auclair. I'm one of the teachers on this retreat uh, with Lila Kate Wheeler. Uh, we're both very happy to be here. Um, it's always very exciting to start uh, a retreat, no? A, a new retreat. I was here last week for the last retreat part of the of the team in the last retreat, the Sangha. And now we had the day off and now there's a new group. This is us arriving. It's very exciting. It's, uh, to me, it's always a little mysterious. So, Who are we and how is it going to go? Are we going to be able to live together? <laughs> you know? It's... Uh, I mean, we might not yet have the sense of community, but uh, over the days and the hours, I hope it will build. I hope we'll feel that. And um, I think we overheard um, Elizabeth maybe just say this, but uh, it felt important for us to s say it again, that we, we would really like everybody to feel very welcome here. And... Um, yeah, uh, the fullness of who we are, you know, with all our identities and stories and uh, the state uh, of our hearts or bodies, you know. Um, and it's, it's good to, I like to try to be thorough with this and saying whatever is our gender expression or sexual orientation, the color of our skin, the story of our people, the, our mother tongue, yeah, how the heart is. Some of us, the heart might be a little heavy, others pretty light, and anything in between ripped open and shut down. And so now the ways that we uh, experience life, you know, the, the way that we cognize uh, life and the age and the... What did I not name the culture? We feel like we're part of the dominant culture or part of the counter culture or subculture or, or our own culture. It's totally welcome here, the fullness of our history, the different abilities of our bodies, sizes. Anyway, you might feel that in that statement, I'm trying to really include everyone. And it's very, uh, very important. We're going to maybe do some work of opening the heart or... I don't know exactly what's going to happen, but my sense is it will need to, for us to feel welcome for this to happen. And so these few words are in order to maybe create some of that here, yeah. Uh, yeah, so I'll, I'll, I'll talk again, but these are the few first words. I'm happy to be here with you, and I'm really curious about what's going to happen to us. And no matter who you support for to be the next president, you're also 
welcome. <laughs> or maybe you don't care. Um, that one always brings a little <laughs> to me. So in order to um, just connect a little with the people around you, we thought it would be nice if you would just turn to someone near you and say hello. And you can say as much or as little as you like. You could say hello with a bow or with a few words. And since we're going into silence, we will leave a little time to you. You can just say where you're from or maybe something about your intention. I know some of you have settled your seat very well and you may not want to unfold your legs. (laughs) I'm going to say hi to Pascal again just to show you how we do it. Hi. How are you? (laughs) Turning off my mic. So you might um, look around and see if there's anyone who didn't quite find someone to talk to or find a new person, get up. (laughs) Yeah. Um, There. Some people are stuck in little islands in space. Still didn't work. Okay. You'll get another chance. (laughs) 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 Love it. So as you find your seat again, just you can let yourself uh, feel what... Uh, what it's like just to have spoken and be stopping. How many people are new to being here? Wow. Hey. 
Is there anyone who hasn't done a silent retreat before? So look around, you're not alone. Has anyone here done more than 10 retreats? Yeah, don't, don't be too strict on your counting. So it's a nice mix of experienced and medium and new. Often the silence is the thing that people are most apprehensive about and then love the most by the time you've tried it. As Pascal was saying, the um, community feeling tends to deepen in the silence in a way that um, those of us who have learned to love it or who just loved it from the beginning understand. And uh, new people, you have the joy of that coming, the enjoyment of each other's socks and the... (laughs) sitting near each other and that. In the beginning of retreats, we also do some sort of um, mental or internal things to start the retreat. You could call it a little bit of a ritual um, that consists of taking the refuges, which are kind of poetic orientations to the retreat, and the compassionate ethical precepts that are like the community agreements to make this a safe space. So we'll start, I'll offer the refuges and Pascal will offer the precepts. And the way that we take these is really like whatever moves your heart, I'll speak something in the direction of taking refuge and you're welcome to take it as I've offered it or if something else works better for you or it just doesn't seem to resonate, then you don't have to really do anything but I'll talk a little bit about each refuge and then I'll leave a quiet moment for you to internally sort of go that way or not as you wish. But refuge does have the implication of a safe space. Um, What helps us, what gives us what we need and often in the beginning of a retreat we're invited to contemplate the things that we reach for when we feel like we need something in our regular life. like the phone or the TV or the refrigerator or something like that, or our status or um, calling a friend and stuff. And many of those are not available here. So how do we take refuge here in this environment? And it may be during the day that you need a cup of tea or something like that, or um, looking at one of the beautiful potted plants will be part of your refuge. But we also take refuge um, in the beginning it's called refuge in the Buddha which is a person represented here who was a normal person who found a way of liberating um, their own process their own heart and mind so it's a possibility that then was has been taught and handed down um, generation by generation until now so we receive that heritage from what you might call our spiritual ancestors. And for you, it may not be only the Buddha. It might be um, other traditions or your family or something that feels like it makes your world a wiser and kinder one. Um, So we remember those ancestors and the light that has passed to us hand to hand or mouth to mouth. What reminds us of our goodness inside Also, taking refuge in the Buddha is one's own uh, goodness and pure heart. 
to get to know that more and have access to that more, knowing that it's it's there. Often when other things get out of the way. And lastly, I also like to think of the Buddha as just the capacity of ourselves to learn and to learn in different directions, to learn math and science and reading, but also to learn how to train our attention and to open up in the ways that are taught here that we do have this capacity. So to take refuge in the Buddha is just to incline the mind to remember um, that these things are true and that they're real, that it's a communication that can happen from others to ourself and from ourself to ourself. So for however that is meaningful to you. And the second refuge uh, is taking refuge in the Dharma or the Dhamma, depending what language you favor. Taking refuge in the way things are, the truth or the law, the laws of the mind or the ways of the heart that as we come to understand life better and better and open up through mindful attention and through a softer heart, that we can live within the way things are in a happy and joyous way. That's the title of the retreat. And, you know, things don't always work out the way we wish they would, but we can still be okay. We can still be happy. The Dalai Lama often will say, um, if you look at it from a certain point of view, I haven't had the happiest kind of life, but still I'm happy. Haven't had an easy life, he says, but still I'm really pretty happy. So to open to the moment as it is, and we can be okay with that, in fact, it's such a beautiful thing to do. That's really how I see the essence of the Dharma, but um, opening to the truth might mean something different to you. Sometimes it means the teaching. So I'll just leave a space for each of you to take refuge in the Dharma as you see it. The truth. And lastly, taking refuge in the community or what's called the Sangha. Um, which is sort of taking refuge in each other here, in our ability to connect and dissolve the what Einstein called the optical illusion of consciousness that makes us lonely or feel isolated and disconnected, that we can connect and there can be beautiful communities formed that others have been on this path and that we're doing it really all together. Like without each other, this retreat wouldn't be happening. And each one of us, you know, as we're being welcomed, we're also offering our presence and our effort as part of what helps each other. So just by coming into the sittings, you're helping the person next to you. And by doing the tasks and responding to the bells and all of that. We're taking refuge in community and doing it um, together. 
So I leave you to um, open to that as you like. So feeling um, welcomed here, kind of personally welcomed, can be really helpful. Um, And there's another thing also uh, with the refuges and the feeling uh, welcomed. Maybe the refuge will take in the silence and in the space and in the teaching that will be uh, infused uh, all week. Something else that uh, can be really not can be really helpful, that is going to be extremely important and helpful, is these uh, precepts that we uh, agree on together. And I think you you got this, these in the email maybe before coming here. So in the registration process, there's these uh, precepts that are named and I'll go through them again together because um, also in terms of, um, what's the title of the retreat again? Joy on the Path. I understand these precepts as really being a prescription for happiness. The way I hear it is the Buddha saying, hey, oh, you want to have joy? You want to have an access to joy and to uh, ease of mind or to happiness, if we wanted to call it like this? Let me tell you a few little things that would really open the door for that. And the precepts, as I understand them, are a prescription for happiness. Oh, you want to have ease of mind, or what we call sometimes the bliss of blamelessness, or the joy of harmlessness. And so uh, we could see this as a refuge here this week. This is the refuge in the Dharma, in the agreement together to actually be really careful in five ways, let's say. So really careful to not harm each other intentionally. Wow. Let's take this in. We are all agreeing to not harm each other consciously, intentionally this week. Imagine a world like this, where there would be disagreement. You know, Yeah, we can impact each other in, in ways that we can learn about, but if in my mind appears the desire to hurt or, you know, little, little movements of the mind, could I should tell you one, maybe, you know, it's a bad start when you meet somebody you don't know <laughs> to actually tell them about. I'll tell you a little something that happened here for me many years ago, where I saw, oh, I, I see this thing. I was about to go out to take a walk on the, through the main door there that opens in this way. And as I was o- about to open the door, I saw somebody through the window on the side who was coming in. And... The strange thing that I did was, instead of waiting for them to push on the door, I did like this, just so they would kind of go like that. (laughs) And there was no, kind of no harm, you know, it was just a little, but after I did it, suddenly I felt, I was like, why did I, you know? 
And it was revealed to me that this mind was not as pure as I would have liked <laughs> to think it was, you know. And then I was, oh wow, like there was, there was, there was a little something in there that was not quite right, not exactly that you could describe as kind, you know. And so that's why we come here to actually, in the silence, and with develop the development of attention and careful uh, living, suddenly these things, chances are it's not like this in your mind. <laughs> but there's certainly a little discovery I made in mind that uh, suddenly made me want to uh, really take on this precept more fully and also be even more attentive to my movements of body and mind, you know, to avoid uh, causing any kind of uh, troubling situation for somebody who wants to get to a handle and the handle kind of goes before they touch it. Anyway, I don't know if it talks to you, but I definitely saw something in my mind. So this agreement to uh, not harm each other intentionally, this uh, the joy that we can take in taking really great care of each, each other things, you know, belongings. So the precept is not to take what is not offered freely. And let's see this week how the opportunities to protect each other's stuff will uh, arise uh, here. Another uh, precept that we agree on uh, being here is a precept around sexual energy. So it's really good here to tune in, everyone. So there might be sexual energy in us here this week. There might not be, but there might very well be. It's really part of the human experience, right? And so here the agreement we have is to actually that we're not going to act on this energy. We're going to, maybe if it comes alive, become really conscious of it, being intrigued by it or curious about it, how it manifests. You know how the whole hormone system can kick in and the biology and the projections and the stories in the mind and the this and that that can happen? Okay. We're not saying it's uh, sexual energy is bad. We're saying here that sexual energy is very, very powerful and that we're going to take really special care of it this week. So not act on it, but become aware of it if it's alive. Yeah, It's also part of the gift that we give each other of solitude. It's a very particular gift that we don't give often in life. But here that's highly valued, that a hundred people can be together and offer each other silence and solitude. So to be really precise here, I like to get technical about this. So you get your soup, you have your bowl of soup, and your potential soulmate, not soup mate, but soulmate, <laughs> is sitting on the left. You go on the right, the other direction. You leave them alone. Even if there's the per their per there's everything is perfect about them, Please give them their space, own your own story unfolding, and don't leak it on somebody else, if I can say that, right? And it's going to maybe require from you a lot of courage and a lot of attention, and you're not going to act on this. So we can all uh, have the... So we don't have to uh, manage somebody else's desire while we're here. 
that we can be with our own experience fully. Yes? Okay. And then if uh, the energy is pleasant, we'll be able to um, experience it in its fullness uh, inwardly and discover the, the power of that energy, right? Okay. I hope this way of talking about this is okay with you. Um, another precept that we have here is to not uh, um, hurt with our speech, huh? to not uh, uh, hide the truth with our speech. And it's going to be eased a lot by the fact that we're in silence, or most of us are in silence. Uh, Lila and I are going to speak a lot, and what we're going to try to do with this very, very carefully is we're going to try to use our speech every time in a way that is onward leading, liberating, bringing wisdom, uh, helping. Yeah, we'll, we'll do the best we can to, and we there's a chances that we'll uh, fail here and there or be imperfect. Yeah, because we're human beings. So it doesn't excuse any, anything, but it's just to contextualize, <laughs> yeah? Uh, because we know that speech is extremely powerful. It's as nuclear maybe as sexual energy. With uh, speech you can hurt, you can divide, but you can also heal and bring together what was uh, separated. And yeah. So we're going to be very careful. Your task is pretty simple, is to really honor the silence, the noble silence. In our uh, culture, often, silence is seen as uh, indifference, you know, like you get in the public transportation and, you know, there's a kind of a silence in, in, in the subway, you know, that people don't, and it, it's kind of a closed down, it's just me and it could be this, or in families, sometimes there is some silence that is a silence of taboo. We don't talk about stuff. and So you might recognize something like this in the culture or in places where you go or not. But here there's a reclaiming of silence in a very different way, where it's actually a silence where things can open up, things can be revealed, can be known fully, maybe celebrated or accompanied, in some way. So it's a silence that we want to be onward leading, liberating eventually. When we're new to this culture, sometimes it can be hard a little bit. You say, oh, everybody's like so in their thing and kind of almost gaze looking down and, and it can look a little harsh. I, we can talk about this with you when we have the meetings because we'll have, every one of you will be part of a little 50 minutes or so meeting uh, with one of us. But I would like to invite you to hang in there. Is that the way to say it in English? To, even if it seems a little harsh, to see that maybe there's value in that way of being together for five days in silence. Uh, and some of you actually, like Lila was saying, know this and appreciate this. And so uh, to really be careful with this. So it's actually not okay to talk to somebody else here, you know. We agree together that we're uh, gonna give each other the gift of silence and solitude. Not easy. So thanks for uh, participating in this culture that is, it's fragile huh? because it uh, rely only on intentions, you know. It's, we cannot reinforce it, 
week. It's, it's intentional. So we're an intentional community here around that. And the last precept or training is around the taking of uh, intoxicants that can cloud the mind. We're interested here in reality, how we can meet reality, maybe in a joyful way or in a compassionate way, and we'll visit all the different ways that reality can be met, but we don't want to cloud it by the taking of intoxicants. So if you have a medication, for example, that you agreed with with your doctor, very important to keep this going because that might be exactly what we need to do the job. But any other uh, drugs or alcohol, not welcomed at all here, not. And the, maybe one of the main intoxicants these days for us, for many of us, is technology, right? And so here we're detoxifying for th- from this, not again, not saying, oh, technology, we should go back to horses and wheel cart. And no, no, it helps us a lot, but for many of us, there's a little bit of a disbalance. You know, I notice in myself sometimes, I'm not sure if I exist or if I'm worthy, or, and I go to my thing to see somebody wrote to me a text, then I be reassured that I exist or something, you know? (laughs) And so here we become really heroic and courageous and we put it aside for a few days and just see if we can allow solitude to be felt if that's what's there or a little fluttering of the heart or a little something if it can be met fully, yeah? And so tomorrow we're going to do a very old ritual from the time of the Buddha. It's the ritual of letting go in the basket of the device. (laughs) So tomorrow at 8.30, and every morning at 8.30 there will be instructions. It's extremely important you're here at 8.30 in the morning, tomorrow especially, to drop your devices, devices, if you want. It's a big basket. But every morning there'll be instructions and announcements, so it's a very important community time. Tomorrow morning at 8.30, you'll be able to, on the board in front, write your name on an envelope and put your device that you will turn off. Very important, because we're not going to you know, take your calls and things. <laughs> we're, we don't offer that service. And then all the devices will go on retreat. And at the end, uh, you'll be able to meet together and exchange ideas about retreat. <laughs> yes? Okay. And so in this way, we're all going to enter this uh, timeless uh, w- or open space time, monast- monastic time maybe. And something new is going to be uh, possible here, new discoveries. Because if we keep everything that is reassuring to us and that makes us feel comfortable and all the little coping mechanisms and all this, there's not going to be discoveries. It's not going to be possible to go into this liminal space, this space of possibility of change. Or We have to go in a kind of a rite of passage. We have to go a little bit in the unknown, you know, no device. And see what in this Maybe I'm borrowing here, I think I am, from other traditions and other traditions, but we're going on a vision quest somewhat here. 
So I hope I can borrow these words very respectfully. Um, and so the silence, the harmlessness, uh, our tools, are the space that we are creating for new things to arise inside of us, new discoveries, insight. Yes? So do we agree on, on all this? Yeah. And then after, we'll do as we see fit, you know, in a few days. But now this is the rules of the game. So, this special theme of uh, joy on the path, I'm really curious about it. Um, Personally, I would say joy has been very much part of uh, my practice in many ways, but I've never actually led a retreat around this, so it's a very new territory for me. And I'm very, I, I'm very excited about this, and I'm happy that we're doing this together. And I'm really curious about what we'll discover, and uh, even the way to go in this. I, I, uh, I was thinking, oh, I hope we don't kind of put pressure on people to be joyful. You know, like that would be the worst <laughs> case scenario. That when, okay, I'm supposed to be joyful. I'm in the ba- path of joy, whatever thing. You know, like. So just to remove any pressure around this, we're going to study the presence and absence of joy, I'm pretty sure, (laughs) during the week, you know. And how we're going to try to see, not study in a sense also, but mainly discover in an embodied way, in in an immediate way, in how we can invite, nurture, this quality, the different manifestations of it, the different uh, forms it can take in practice, the spaces in the Buddhist psychology or on the path, the Buddhist path where, where it arises, where it's uh, welcomed, helpful or essential or an expression of the path. Um, and yes, again, you know, if... Uh, if when you signed up it seemed like a good idea, but now this week your heart is broken for some reason, and it, this too, this too, absolutely, the fullness of who we, we are, the, the confusion, the doubt. If you're coming here for the first time, for example, you might be not too sure. Like that's a little strange. I will give that to you, you know. And so that is welcomed in the field. Nothing is pushed out here. We, we work with uh, what's there in our body, the sensations of in discomfort or ease. What's there in our heart, in our mind, is the mat- matter no? that we use in this practice. So everything is welcomed. So that's maybe an important thing to say at the beginning here. Maybe I've said a lot of words, yeah. And uh, yeah, we don't know what's coming. We never know, really. And in this case, we don't know either what's coming. 
can that be okay? It's actually, I think, a good thing, because if we know so much, too much what's, what's going, what's happening, what's going to happen, then we can get a little disconnected or blasé. That sounds French. Blasé. So not knowing how this is going to unfold is, uh, can make it exciting for you or a little scary, but maybe we can invite it anyway. You know, knowing that we're creating an amazing field of harmlessness here, of protection, that we're benefiting from that uh, protection and offering it to each other, already can bring some joy. I wish you a good one, and we'll be hanging out together a lot, I think. So, thank you. I think if you'd like to stand up, because uh, you've been sitting for a bit, if you want to straighten your knees, we'll do a short meditation and then... um, Get ready for the bliss of unconsciousness, we hope. can find a position that will be comfortable enough. We'll sit till just a little bit after nine, so you can just start, I think, by even asking yourself, in what way do I believe that happiness lies in the future? Joy and happiness is in the future. Isn't that part of how we And there's some reality and validity to that, that as we learn and grow and accommodate different events in our life, open our hearts, we discover new ways of being happy and joyful, mysteries and surprises. And in what way do we remember happiness that was in the past? It may not be here with us now, like times when we were younger. 
Maybe allowing the richness of our own story to be part of our experience um, as it comes and goes. And yet in what way are those past and future happinesses less real than what might be happening now? I was thinking about how am I going to teach this retreat and what would I like to say? I was in the shower and kind of pondering and thinking, well, here I am in the shower, you know, it feels the water on my skin. This is joy in the moment. It can't be hoarded or necessarily even transmitted. It can kind of be encouraged. So there's this, being here. In what way is happiness, what's happening now, joy in this moment? So to enter the moment is one of our main teachings in the Buddhist practice. I'd like to invite you, as we've been welcoming you, to welcome yourself and see about can you come to be present with yourself and here and now with your body, with your heart and your mind, your attention. Springing. aspects and elements of your being and collecting what you call yourself together here and now to feel the body gently feel what state your heart and mind is in giving permission for what needs to happen to happen. So we've invited the possibility of joy. It's a little bit of a leap. There's joy in that leap as Pascal was suggesting. So you could let go of whatever was happening up till now in the process of arriving and packing and planting and getting here. Maybe some of the things that define you in the world, you could not need them as much here. You 
can let go of what may happen tomorrow or even in the next few moments. Invite the deeper connection of your mind and body, heart and body. I was speaking about the shower as if gently showering your body from the inside with caring attention, just letting the sensations be felt. As you're allowing and welcoming the sensations, if there's a place that feels tight or uncomfortable, you might first invite it just to relax a little. You might find that your eyelids are tight or your jaw or your shoulders. It lets go a little, that's nice. If it doesn't want to let go, then you can just give it a little affection and say it's okay. You can be here this way. We're opening this space of mind and heart or loving attention to just allow the sensations of the body to express themselves. There may be sounds in the room or a mood that you have. Gently allowing whatever's taking place to be there.
You might notice your mind is wondering what will happen next or waiting for the end of the meditation, something like this. See if you can just gently come back and encourage the reconnection and feeling your body in the moment or knowing that you're waiting, just letting that be, seeing it as it is. We'll be giving some specific instructions in coming days. Yet the heart of it is just to let it be.
just another minute or so in the our first quiet sitting together. We wish you all a good sleep and uh, settling in so that you feel the welcome um, deeper in your bones by day by day as we figure out how to live here together that your process should be smooth. We'll see you um, at the first sitting is at 6.15 if you've traveled far or are coming from an exhausting job or situation, um, you can skip it tomorrow. Don't joyfully. For, joyfully skipping. <laughs> <laughs> joyfully like a log in your bed <laughs> until breakfast at 6.45. But if you have energy, we'd love to see you here. Sweet dreams. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.